Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 1952 Moscow time. It's the 30th of March, 2021. This is episode 390 of Bitcoin. And congratulations goes out to Dr. H. Quinzel, if I'm pronouncing his name right. He's been gone for a while on Twitter, and now we know why. Uh, He had a baby girl. Congratulations, dude. Also, uh, plant trees. He shows a picture of his baby girl, but he also shows a picture of his new house. Uh, which they're moving into, I think, uh, this Friday. Uh, It's a new house, which means that there's no trees. I mean, when I mean new house, I mean like freshly built, right? And when they freshly build houses, they don't plant trees. This is the doc's reminder and your reminder. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. It's still springtime. You can still plant trees. I Don't plant trees in the middle of summer if you're in a hot climate, especially a hot, dry climate like Texas, right? Okay? Or at least West Texas. Central Texas is actually pretty pretty moist. But uh, in the heat of the summer, when you tra- uh, transplant a tree, it will go through shock and will have very, very limited success in recovery. So you basically want to plant trees when they're dormant, Okay. So we're coming up on, in Texas, we're, we're getting to the end of that uh, period where you can safely plant a tree. So if you, if you got plans this weekend, you know, or don't have plans this weekend, plan to plant a tree. And congrats, Doc. Beautiful baby girl there. Speaking of Texas, we got some news out of the Texas governor's office. Uh, Texas chases after Wyoming with crypto law proposal, but challenges remain. Rachel Wolfson is writing this one for Cointelegraph. Everything is bigger in Texas, but when it comes to crypto-friendly legislation, this just doesn't seem to be the case just yet. On March the 12th, 2021, Texas Representative Tan Parker introduced the Uniform Commercial Code known as UCC Amendment Bill, which is House Bill 4474, to better adapt commercial law to blockchain innovation and digital asset regulations. Specifically speaking, the Texas UCC Amendment Bill aims to recognize virtual currencies under commercial law. Lee Bratcher, president of the Texas Blockchain Council, an organization recently established as a trade association intended to make Texas a leader in national blockchain growth, told Cointelegraph that the Texas Blockchain Council worked closely with Texas legislatures Uh, legislators to draft this bill, noting that if passed, it would change the business law around the definition of digital currencies and the legal definition of control. Quote, the Texas Blockchain Council has been working with Uniform Law Commission around the language of the UCC Amendment Bill, along with other stakeholders, to make sure that they are all comfortable with the language, end quote. According to Bratcher, House Bill 4474 is similar to what Wyoming is already doing with its digital asset law, which was passed on February 26, 2019 and put into effect on July the 1st, 2019. Quote, if the UCC amendment bill passes, Texas would solidify a leadership position along states like Wyoming that have already blazed a trail toward regulatory clarity, commented Bratcher. While notable, a few unaddressed challenges remain. Caitlin Long, chief operating officer and founder of Avanti Financial Group, a Wyoming bank formed to serve as a bridge between digital assets and the U.S. dollar payment system, told Cointelegraph that HB 4474 is similar to Wyoming's law in one respect. It aims to define virtual currencies. Long stated, quote, That's a huge positive because in most U.S. states, the legal status of Bitcoin is unclear which means that judges have no roadmap to adjudicate disputes and parties do not have clarity regarding their rights and obligations, end quote. Long further noted that if 4474 passes, 
Texas will join Wyoming as the only U.S. state to clarify this critical area of the law. Quote, both the Texas and Wyoming laws do so in the right way, which is to recognize control of the virtual currency as the determining factor, Long remarked. However, Long pointed out a critical gaping hole in 4474. According to Long, the bill does not define how a lender can establish an enforceable lien on a virtual currency. Quote, in the legal parlance, this is called how to perfect how to perfect a security interest, she commented. Long explained that she is worried that Bitcoin owners will become mired in a lien mess in the United States because U.S. commercial law doesn't clarify which liens on Bitcoin are enforceable. <laughs> if they're your private keys, there is no enforcement, pal. <laughs> I don't love it. This has become even more worrisome for Long, as she pointed out that there has been a huge rise in lending secured by Bitcoin as collateral in recent years. Quote, I think a lean mess is already building in Bitcoin. Bitcoin owners are at risk of being hit with old unknown liens on their coins, which they had no way of discovering before purchasing. And the higher the Bitcoin price goes, the greater the financial incentive that lawyers have to pursue such claims. End quote. Unlike 4474, Long noted that the Wyoming law clearly states how lenders can create an enforceable lien on Bitcoin while also providing for the cleansing of dormant liens. Unfortunately, HB 4474 has not done this just yet. Rather, it clarifies that an innocent purchaser won't be subject to such adverse claims adhering to the take-free rules. Although this is the case, Long pointed out yet another concern, further questioning what would happen to valid liens that were enforced before 4474 potentially becomes a law. Quote, would Bitcoin lenders no longer have a valid lien in Texas? And will this affect the willingness of Bitcoin lenders to lend to Texas customers? End quote. Although some critical concerns remain regarding 4474, Bratcher remarked that more guidance will eventually be formed around the UCC amendment bill, quote, we are working to produce a framework that moves in the same direction of Wyoming, and we will be following up with additional legislation in the future, end quote. Meanwhile, some Texas-based crypto companies have already expressed excitement for 4474. Joseph Kelly, CEO of Unchained Capital, told Cointelegraph that the firm does a lot of business locally and that having greater clarity around Bitcoin's treatment under Texas statutes will help his company while encouraging other states to follow suit. <clears throat> Quote, sorry. As Texas and other states pass updates to their UCC that defines Bitcoin and spells out reasonable and commercial methods for perfecting a security interest in Bitcoin, it will help customers, uh, sorry, consumers and the industry avoid messy scenarios, lower average interest rates, and bring a greater proliferation of Bitcoin as acceptable collateral, end quote. The challenges around liens still remain, however. While the solution is still unknown, Long hypothesized that Texas may be taking an approach that explicitly favors institutional lenders at the expense of decentralized finance projects and other peer-to-peer -peer lenders. Quote, institutions have a way to perfect their security interests by treating Bitcoin the same way that securities are treated under commercial law as IOUs. But individuals and DeFi projects don't have that option available to them, Long commented. She further noted that she hopes Texas will be able to fix this in the same way that, I mean, Wyoming did in an amendment to the proposed law. Regardless of the outcome, it's notable that Texas has been taking measures to catch up to Wyoming in terms of crypto and blockchain regulations. In addition to HB 4474, Bratcher mentioned that three other blockchain bills were also being filed while Bratcher is aware that these bills do not go as far as Wyoming's bills, he believes Texas will rank right under Wyoming if Texas blockchain legislation passes, adding, quote, Texas is the second largest economy in the United States, and our congressional delegation is 10 times the size of Wyoming. We have much more influence in D.C. We just want to affirm what Wyoming is doing and come alongside them with a big economy and... <laughs> Sorry, excuse me, congressional delegation. Oh, good God. Allergies are starting to flow, brothers. Now, what's it mean? The issue about liens is really important because property, no matter what the property is, somebody can always claim that that property is their own. And this is, this is just a nasty situation. So when we say lien, 
I'm talking about, you know, L-I-E-N or however the hell it's pronounced. It's not like lean against the wall. It's like a lien against your house and you can't sell it because there's a claim on the property of your house because I don't know, you didn't pay a contractor or something like that. This is the same shit. And this is where it gets really, really sketchy. Okay. And it is not a situation that I had even thought about uh, prior to reading this particular article. Uh, with the, all the lending that's going on, Caitlin Long is correct. You bet your bottom dollar that people like, just like patent trolls, people are going to start figuring out a way to game the system and start putting liens on people's property. So how do you guard against this? You don't lend out your Bitcoin. Okay. If it's in your private wallet secured by your private keys and nobody else has access to those keys, then lean be damned. Nobody can take that shit away from you. Okay. We really fungibility at this point is going to be kind of critical. Nobody can put a lien on a stack of a hundred dollar bills. Okay. Cause they, there's just no way to do that shit. But with UTXOs and places like, you know, crypto analytics firms, that shit is, is possible. You, you it shouldn't scare, it, it shouldn't scare you, but it, but it does need to kick the industry in the pants about fungibility issues surrounding uh, Bitcoin. And that's why Taproot and all the rest of the stuff that's coming down the pipe is going to be, I'm not going to say critical because it's not like Bitcoin fails if we don't get it in, but it would be real nice to have Taproot into Bitcoin as soon as humanly possible because it will help. It won't actually fix it, but by God, it helps. So there you go. And what, what was amazing to me is that I found out about all this because Governor Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, tweeted out that he was a proponent of crypto laws. Now, crypto makes me cringe, but it's just, there's no way that I can read any of these stories uh, and just completely replace crypto with Bitcoin on the fly, live as I read them. So please do me a favor, give, give me a break. It's also 6.14 in the damn morning. Okay, this one just dropped. Adriana Hamaker is writing this one for Decrypt.co. Square CFO Amrita Ahuja makes the case for Bitcoin on every balance sheet. Brother, Square just dropped a bomb, bro. Uh, payments company Square argued that Bitcoin should be a part of every major company's financial war chest in an interview published today in Fortune. Quote, there's absolutely a case for every balance sheet to have Bitcoin on it. She said while explaining how Square's strategy was to support broader adoption of the cryptocurrency. Square, encouraged by its CEO, Bitcoin champion Jack Dorsey, has to date invested $220 million in Bitcoin. Quote, the investment that we made on our balance sheet for Bitcoin represents about one, uh, one fifth, 5% of our cash we intend to hold for the long term, said Ahuja. Square's investment and support of Bitcoin is part of a growing trend, according to a PwC market overview released today, which predicts that the industry will become more institutionalized. Ooh, I don't like the way that word, that way that that is worded. That's kind of scary. Corporate players, bigger investors in crypto platforms bolstered by recent gains will increasingly drive activity. Henry Arslanian, PwC global crypto leader, told Bloomberg today, the PwC report also found that the value of mergers and acquisitions in the crypto industry totaled 1.1 billion last year, more than double of 2019's figure, and the average deal size almost tripled during the same period. MicroStrategy, of course, we're going to talk about that. They arguably kicked off the institutional trend with an initial $425 million Bitcoin investment in August and September of 2020. The company's CEO, Michael Saylor, has aggressively promoted the cryptocurrency since then and has topped up the initial investment. Then, in February, Elon Musk became Bitcoin's highest profile backer when his company, Tesla, invested $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. Analysts estimated that within a month, the EV manufacturer had made more profit from its Bitcoin buy than from its total 2020 car sales. These developments have induced a level of FOMO not previously seen in institutional boardrooms during Bitcoin's 12-year history, and they have compelled CFOs to look more seriously at Bitcoin. 
Last week, Time Magazine mandated that comfort with Bitcoin was a prerequisite for the CFO role that it was advertising for. Meanwhile, Square has doubled down on its support of the cryptocurrency with increased funding for the development of Bitcoin Core. Square Cash's, uh, Square's Cash App has allowed users to buy Bitcoin since 2018. And according to Ahuja, the peer-to-peer payments platform added another million users in January alone. It now has 4 million customers in total. Earlier this month, Square announced that it was abolishing Bitcoin transaction fees on Cash App as part of a drive to encourage the use of the cryptocurrency. It also put in place a $10 million clean energy investment initiative to accelerate the adoption of more sustainable Bitcoin mining practices and promised to reinvest any gains from its investment back into the initiative. Quote, we believe that cryptocurrency will eventually be powered completely by clean power, eliminating its carbon footprint and driving adoption of renewables globally said Dorsey. They can't come too soon given the increasing clamor over Bitcoin's carbon footprint. Oh God, the the whining and the blue hairs and the gaping mouths and the aping around is just, it's untenable at this point, honestly. Yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do? Again, you know, and, and for those that are screaming about Jack Dorsey, I said something about this yesterday. All the, All these people that are talking about you know, Bitcoin's dirty energy and that it needs to go to clean energy. I don't worry about this shit like at all because the, what they're doing is they know what's going to come out of Congress in the, at least in the United States. It's going to be a green energy initiative. We're going to have to deal with it. I don't like, you know, I'm, I'm not looking forward to any of it because it's going to be done completely the wrong way and it's not going to fix anything and it's probably going to make shit worse as far as dirty energy is concerned. So that's why I don't worry about it. All I do <clears throat> on a day-to-day basis is I buy Bitcoin and I hold Bitcoin. That's investment advice, by the way. Let's see, the Bitcoin breakup. And now... <sighs> This one is by Obi Nwosu. He's the uh, CEO and co-founder of CoinFloor. Um, I love reading this stuff. But this, one is, this one is rather interesting. And it talks about the, this institutional, the incoming institutional wave and what it could mean. And we're going to get into it right now. This is out of BTC Times. <clears throat> it's not really prophecy if the writing's on the wall. The signs of Bitcoin's breakup were there for all to see, and my predictions were intended more to prepare us for an inevitable future. And now it's upon us. On March the 19th, the Financial Action Task Force, a powerful policy-making body made up of almost every country in the world, published an in-depth proposal to update its guidance on risk-based approaches to virtual assets and virtual asset service providers, or VASPs. If you haven't already, you can read up on the details, such as defining almost every crypto-related organization or developer as a VASP and requiring all VASPs to identify and surveil their users, but forgot the small print because I wanted to... Oh, sorry. But forget the small print because I want to talk about the big picture. And spoiler alert, it's more sanguine about Bitcoin's future than ever, not in spite of this news, but because of it. We've all been prepared for the attempts by the traditional financial industry to curtail the heady freedoms of the Bitcoin ecosystem. And back in December, I called it Assassin's Greed, a craving to control Bitcoin and bring it into the fold of the existing financial system. But the FATF members are not Bitcoin killers. Instead, their recommendations will lead, in the words of one close Bitcoin watching consultancy, to a bifurcation of crypto. We are entering what Sir Terry Pratchett so wonderfully called the trousers of time, where the present diverges into two parallel futures. On the one hand, or leg rather, we're about to see the institutionalization of Bitcoin, intermediated, compliant, and regulated. At the same time, the world of privacy-oriented and open Bitcoin will not only continue to flourish, its progress will accelerate. Many of the world's largest financial institutions are inherently conservative. They've watched other, bolder, nimbler investors seize the Bitcoin moment, but need regulatory assurance or reassurance before they themselves dip their toes into the water. For traditional financial actors, the fattest proposals will be a lightning rod, attracting them into the wider ecosystem and augmenting the monetary rule of the Bitcoin network. Be in no doubt. The rules-based Bitcoin ecosystem will be, by its very nature, a dull and sterile place. 
and the high barriers to entry will prevent access to those most in need of its power, like those in the global south, for example, who see Bitcoin not only as investment, but as a necessity, not least because of the instability of their home currencies and the lack of a strong centralized banking industry. But regulated exclusionary Bitcoin won't just add volume. In fact, it will play a key role in driving innovation and adoption of unregulated and open Bitcoin due to the high philosophical, ethical, and financial rewards that will come from working on the other side of the coin. Though, the, or, though the two worlds of Bitcoin, the dynamic and the mundane, may be poles apart in approach, they will be inextricably linked by the shared blockchain. So we will ultimately end up with a virtuous cycle or circle where the open world benefits from closed Bitcoin's institutional adoption. Meanwhile, regulated Bitcoin gains from the rapid innovation that can only come from unregulated Bitcoin. Bitcoin may be breaking up, but there's no reason for the split to be acrimonious. What we'll see emerge is not two competing ecosystems, but a couple of complementary ones. Bitcoin for the West and Bitcoin for the rest. For every person who adopts regulator-approved crypto, there will be many more who will experience Bitcoin as it was always meant to be. Pseudonymous, self-custodied, decentralized, and empowering. Okay, depending on your mood this morning, you can take that one of two ways, which is clearly what Obi was trying to do in this writing, as alluded to by the uh, trousers analogy. What do I think about it? You know, I'm not, I'm not so certain that Obi's actually correct here. I, and the reason is, is because at one point or another, fungibility is going to come into play. And if fungibility is done correctly on Bitcoin, then... Because what he's suggesting sounds to me very much like, oh, well, you have, you have this UTXO. Well, that's a, regul- that's a regulated UTXO. And it, you just, you, you can't do so, you can't do something like, you know, give it to like a homeless guy on the street, let's say, let's just say that's the rule. Bullshit. With good fungibility properly implemented, I damn well can. And we're all fighting for fungibility tools, okay? We're figuring out ways to, you know, not wash this stuff, but basically kind of make it to where it's not, not so much clean as much as liquid, that's what we want. We want liquidity. We want to be able to not have any friction whatsoever when we're doing any kind of Bitcoin transaction. And this kind of two parallel, you know, universe type thing, essentially, when I look at what he's trying to say, it makes me think that some UTXOs are going to be regulated and will never be able to go back to the other system. And the other system will hold unregulated UTXOs. Guys, I just don't see that as happening. I think they'll try. I think they may get really, really close. But as Bitcoin developers and the Bitcoin community come together, as we always do, new tools will come on the horizon that completely destroy any such heuristics. And this is one of the reasons why I don't worry so damn much. We were all so scared about X and then X got solved. And then Y comes down the pipe and Y scared the piss out of us. And then Y was solved. And... So when people like Roger Ver say that, you know, some A, B, and C cannot happen on Bitcoin because X, Y, Z, I automatically call bullshit because it damn well will happen. And so this, from that standpoint, I don't worry. But Obi's words needs to be heeded, okay? Because we're starting to see this institutionalization happen. I mean, ex-SEC Chairman Jay Clayton has taken a crypto advisory role at One River. Uh, this is from Decrypt. Will Gottenson's writing it. Former SEC Chairman Jay Clayton will advise One River Asset Management on cryptocurrencies, the firm announced today. It's part of the firm's broader move into crypto following a partnership with Alan Howard of the hedge fund Breven Howard. One River bought $600 million in assorted cryptocurrencies, oh, God bless your soul, with plans to bring its Bitcoin and Ethereum holdings to $1 billion. Clayton <clears throat> excuse me, is one of three new advisors to One River CEO Eric Peters, Kevin Hassert, a former economic advisor to President Trump, and Jonathan Orzag, a consultant 
and former advisor to President Clinton are also on the board. In January, Peters said that cryptocurrencies are dramatically undervalued, probably not a surprise given One River's holdings. Jay Clayton stepped down as SEC chair in the waning hours of the Trump administration. Gary Gensler, whose taught courses on blockchain at, at MIT, is expected to be confirmed as his successor. During his tenure, the SEC took the position publicly that neither Bitcoin or Ethereum are securities and so shouldn't be overseen by the regulator. Clayton's SEC did focus on Ethereum-based tokens sold in ICOs, but took a laissez-faire approach to Ethereum itself. Yeah, sure, it's just a, you know, a giant scam machine that enables scam after scam after scam. Just let, let the generator of the scams continue while you fight the product of the scam generator that you just let happen. Ethereum is an obvious scam. Yeah, it's a huge pre-mine. It has problems all over the damn place, not least of which is the general daily output of bullshit that gets people to give up their Bitcoin or fiat money and have people just rug pull them all day long. No, no. You go ahead and spin your wheels fighting the output of the scam machine. You go ahead and do that because basically that's all you're going to be doing for the rest of existence. Anyway, since re-entering the private sector, Clayton has been appointed to the board of Apollo Global Management, which until recently was headed by Leon Black and has rejoined the law firm Sullivan and Cromwell, where he was once a partner. I'm starting to see the potential of, quote unquote, the revolving door policy between the United States government and Bitcoin as it's institutionalized, like we were talking about with Obi, okay? The institutionalization that Obi's talking about is going to happen. I just don't think that they're going to be able to have all that much control over it, and which is also why I'm crying for the, the need for fungibility tools, whether on-chain or pumping Bitcoin through the Lightning Network and then back out to main-chain. That shit can be done, by the way. That's, that's, that's possible. You can... You can Coin, not coin join, but in a way you can destroy heuristics and obfuscate the situation by running it through lightning. And I'm sure somebody somewhere will make a write up where it's like, hey, we may not have a fungibility tool on chain, like within Bitcoin Core, but step one, step two, step three, and you're done. That I fully expect that shit to happen. Now, more regulatory stuff. Iowa House approves bill to legally recognize blockchain smart contracts. This is Greg Thompson out of Cointelegraph. On March the 29th, the Iowa House of Representatives passed a bill that seeks to legally recognize transactions and registrations made via blockchain smart contracts. The bill, SF-541, gained Senate approval earlier in the month. Under the auspices of the new bill, smart contracts would be given the same legal status as regular contracts while distributed ledger technology would be viewed as a reliable electronic store of record. Regarding smart contracts, the bill states, quote, the bill provides that a contract shall not be denied legal effect or enforceability solely because the contract is a smart contract or contains a smart contract provision, end quote. The bill states that any registration of rights or ownership would not be invalidated by its broadcast on the blockchain network unless the transaction was related specifically to the transfer of the rights in question. Quote, a person who, in engaging or affecting interstate or foreign commerce, uses distributed ledger technology to secure information that the person owns or has the right to use, retains the same rights of ownership or use with respect to such information as before the person secured the information using distributed ledger technology, states the bill with the added qualifier, quote, unless in connection with the transaction with terms that expressly provide for the transfer of rights or ownership or use with respect to such information, end quote. The bill gained the approval of the House without contest, okay, without contest on March the 29th with representatives voting 94 to 0 in favor of. Earlier in the month, the bill made it through the Senate with similar ease as it passed with a vote of 47 to 0. Zero people blocked this in Iowa. In Iowa, guys, this is one of the most conservative states that you got. Iowa, and nobody, nobody even sneezed at this thing. 
Amazing. Democratic Representative Steve Hansen suggested the implementation of the bill would eventually lead to broader regulation of cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin, reports Iowa Daily newspaper The Gazette. Republican Representative Jeff Shipley said the bill was more concerned with laying down definitions than regulations for the time being, adding that he thought Bitcoin would fall under the scope of those definitions. Okay, so here's the deal. Institutionalization is coming, and it's not going to be pretty. So what's your job? Your job is to fight it every single step of the way. I mean, literally fight. Okay, because if we don't, then here's one of the things that I'm going to like kind of like capitulate a little bit here on on government stuff. If you don't give the government a fight, what you're not also giving them is direct feedback that they can act upon. If they don't know that you're pissed off about this, then they will just do what the hell they're going to do. But if you put blockages in their path and you fight them, then they have to address the issues on which there is friction. Okay, if you just roll over, if you just roll over, they were going to roll over your ass. Hey, man, let's run the numbers. CNBC, Futures and Commodities. Uh, it looks like shit's on fire, dude, and not in a good way. Oil, <clears throat> West Texas Intermediate is down 1.74%, hovering just above $60 a barrel, while Brent North Sea is not faring much better. It's down 1.52%, 63.99. Oh, just ticked up to $64 for a barrel of that. Natural gas is swinging up, though, uh, 0.68 to the upside, $2.67. It's going to get you 1,000 cubic feet of that. Now, if you hold shiny metal rocks, you're not gonna like you're not gonna like this shit. Gold getting freaking savaged this morning, man. One and a half percent to the downside. It is now under seventeen hundred dollars an ounce. Silver getting pummeled just the same. It's almost down two percent. Twenty four dollars and thirty one cents to get you an ounce of that. Platinum is down over a half a point. Copper is down one and we'll see one point one five percent. Is coming in at almost four bucks. Palladium recovering from losses yesterday, 0.6 to the upside, 25.46 as a price for palladium on that one. Uh, the indices look like they're going to move sideways and slightly down. 0.08 for Dow to the down. Point oh a third of a point loss for the S&P futures, and uh, I don't know point yeah 0.7 percent down for Nasdaq futures while S&P mini is swinging to the upside 0.06. All of the bond yields got pushed down by a substantial uh, like the 10 year is down 0.3, the 30 year future is down 0.3, the 5 year down 0.2 and the 2 year treasury is down 0.02%. Real money coming at you. $58,926 Looks like it's going to be my low price uh, on uh, BitInfo charts. Do I have a high? Where is my high? Yeah, $59,135 is the high. So not a whole hell of a lot of arbitrage room there. 332 transactions, 332,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's 14,000 transactions every hour on the hour. 515,000 Bitcoin has moved in that period. And that means that 21,500 BTC are being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 1.5 BTC and the median transaction value being 0.018 BTC or 1,042 bucks. That's good. Block times are still low, nine minutes and 36 seconds. 0.6 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. 90 BTC being taken overall in the last 24 hours and with a 7% drop in hash rate, we come to 159 and a quarter exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin at 5.4 cents. So that's what the shitcoins are doing, and that's all you need to know. I rather like Dogecoin, Dogecoin being the shitcoin indicator because I have a soft spot in my in my heart for Doge. It's a shitcoin. You should not buy it, but it's been with us for so long, you know. And I wanted to give it some value. 
but the only value that it has as a, is as a generalized shitcoin indicator. So there you go. Now, uh, Clark Moody's dashboard. We have 42,500 transactions waiting to onboard 92 blocks to clear. So it is not the best time in the world to send transactions. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? We have one, we have now, we are now at $1.1 trillion of market cap. Good job, fellas. That is just under 10% of gold's market cap. Let me say that again. We're sitting, we're riding right at 9.99% of gold's total market cap. Dudes, 34.7 ounces of gold can be purchased for a single Bitcoin on today's date. There are 18,668,592.59 BTC in circulation at a price of $58,930 according to Clark Moody's dashboard. We still have 1,169.3 BTC in the Lightning Network, and that net value is now at $68.9 million. And that is on 10,196 nodes with 41,053 channels. That's a hell of an increase from yesterday, man. Uh, we have 56% of the Tor of the Lightning Network being run over Tor, which is the exact same as it was yesterday. 655.19 BTC is in the Tor side of the Lightning Network, and there are 4,369 Tor nodes that we know of. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We begin this with PayPal launching Bitcoin checkout services. So this, uh, this some people are saying that this is what caused uh, the price of Bitcoin to bump this morning was this announcement. I'm not so sure, but whatever. Thomas M is going to tell us about it from BTC Times. After allowing its users to buy Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in their account, PayPal is now going to launch a checkout service that will enable its customers to convert cryptocurrencies to fiat currencies and use them for payments at PayPal's millions of online merchants. As reported by Reuters, the service will be available at all 29 million merchants supported by PayPal in the next few months. While the arrival of in-app Bitcoin buying options was already touted, a big push towards mainstream adoption, the ability to further use those holdings to pay might motivate even further interest from PayPal's more than 280 million users. Remember, Square has 4 million users. PayPal has 280 million users. That's quite the difference. Keep that shit in mind as we <clears throat> ride this dinosaur. PayPal president and CEO Dan Schulman reportedly told Reuters that this is the first time that you can seamlessly use cryptocurrencies in the same way as a credit card or a debit card inside your PayPal wallet. Schulman further said that cryptocurrencies have reached a transitional point at which there will be a shift in their use case, rather than being used primarily as an asset class that you buy, hold, and or sell, they may now become a legitimate funding source to make transactions in the real world at millions of merchants. PayPal will charge no transaction fees for cryptocurrency checkouts, the report notes. Okay, that's the end of the article, but that's not the end of the issue. Bitcoin is still treated as a commodity. In the eyes of Treasury, FinCEN, you, CFTC, the SEC, it's a commodity, which means what? You pay tax for every one of those transactions. Now, for, for some of us, I kind of, in, in a lot of ways, I kind of don't care, but taxation is theft. So from that standpoint, I definitely damn well do care. So it's at this point, it really needs to be up to PayPal to deliver the customer who does these types of transactions with really good documentation as to, I, you know, almost as if down to the UTXO as, you know, what UTXO was purchased at what price on what date, what UTXO was liquidated to fiat at what price of Bitcoin at what date, and then have that generated as a CSV file that you can download from your PayPal account to give to your accountant. If they're not going to do that, then the onus is upon you, the user, to do this. I do not recommend using PayPal for various reasons, not least of which is that their censorship 
assholes. Okay, and they they've really they really have shown their colors by just deleting people's accounts, not giving them their money back, and being able to just get away with it. It's like it's like what daylight robbery, right? So I don't use them for that. But also, if you do use this, you need to understand that there are tax implications every time that you do this. Now, Square, just saying, um, has pro like I've made like a couple of transactions, you know, basically to see if it works where I like sell off a little bit of Bitcoin. And I'm talking like I just sell 20 bucks and then go to the grocery store and buy a 12 pack of beer. Okay. And sure, sure enough, there's a CSV file from Square, <clears throat> uh, from well, like from the Cash App, <clears throat> that is generated that holds all those transactions, and I can print that out and I can give it to my accountant. How you proceed is up to you clearly, but be aware there are tax implications because of the way that Bitcoin is seen by the financial regulatory authorities that we have at the moment. So be careful out there, guys. Be careful. ARK Invest CEO Kathy Wood on Bitcoin, quote, one trillion is nothing, end quote. Peter Chihuahua tells us more from BitcoinMagazine.com. During a panel discussion hosted by the Chicago Board Options Exchange, or the CBOE, last week, CEO of investment management firm ARK Investment Management, Kathy Wood shared some decidedly bullish statements about Bitcoin's past and present. With Bitcoin recently crossing a total market capitalization of $1 trillion, Wood provided her outlook on where demand for the asset is headed. Quote, If we add up the potential demand relative to the limited supply, we come up with incredible numbers over the long term. We have just begun. $1 trillion is nothing compared to where this ultimately will be. End quote. God dang, that's some bullish shit right there, bro. Wood explained that a significant motivator of her bullish outlook has been the growing demand for Bitcoin, particularly from large institutions that are looking for ways to curb the inflating supply of their treasury assets. Quote, we are now moving into what I believe will be prime time. And I think helping it along is the demand from institutional investors. The most surprising development recently is that companies are now diversifying their cash with Bitcoin, Wood explained on the panel. She also noted that the institutions are increasingly looking at Bitcoin as a way to conduct business more seamlessly across borders. Quote, one of the reasons, as Tesla announced yesterday, is that they would like to do business in Bitcoin, especially in regions of the world where the conversion from one fiat to another is prohibitively expensive, she said. Yeah, Bitcoin greases the wheels on quite a bit of stuff, uh, so we'll have to see, but that's some incredibly bullish shit. Uh, I mean, Kathy Wood's nothing to sneeze at, and she's looking at $1 trillion market cap going, pff, you know, literally, meh, this is nothing. Just wait, wait until prime time really engages. And, you know, maybe we'll all be able to watch it while we're, you know, sitting in our private booth watching the Oakland Athletics play because MLB's Oakland Athletics plan to hold any Bitcoin from that sweet sales that they were doing. Okay, Scott Cipollina's got more from Decrypt.co. The Oakland Athletics this month offering a full season suite for the price of one Bitcoin. And now the team says it plans to hold on to any Bitcoin it receives as part of that initiative per Bloomberg TV. Quote, we're going to hold it. We're believers in it, and hopefully it continues to go up. A's president, Dave Caval, told Bloomberg TV on Friday, maybe we can sign some big free agents with some of the proceeds. I don't know. Who knows? The Athletics, better known as the A's, announced on March the 14th that they would offer full season suites for the price of one Bitcoin through April the 1st, the official opening day for the MLB season. I wonder if anybody's bought one. Obviously, the price of one Bitcoin is in constant flux. On March the 14th, one Bitcoin was worth more than 60 grand. Today, it's approximately 57 grand. This means the price the A's are fetching for a season suite would also fluctuate, which, according to Caval, only adds to the excitement. 
quote, it's part of the romance, end quote. So when Bitcoin was at $60,000, anyone looking to buy a full season suite with one Bitcoin was already getting a discount. Today, they'd be saving approximately $7,000. No one has yet taken the team up on its offer, but the A's have set 10 suites aside for purchase of Bitcoin, and Caval is hopeful two or three will be sold by opening day, which is coming up on Thursday, April the 1st. I think some people will do it. He told Decrypt. He also told Bloomberg TV that the franchise has received over 100 inbound inquiries, suggesting that while nobody has bought a suite with Bitcoin yet, there is definite interest. I, I hope they do. I hope that, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't hope that they do because it means somebody got wiped out of their Bitcoin. But, you know, just like Laszlo, did I call him Lars yesterday? I think I was calling him Lars yesterday. No, it was Laszlo, and I can't pronounce his last name, the pizza guy. That everybody, oh, you could have been had a half a billion dollars. Now, this is the same thing. It's just in a different way. Somebody at one point or another is, you know, they if they flip a coin for this, it's going to do things on the down on downstream. It's not going to be that they just flipped a coin, we got all sad about it, and they got a seat to watch the Oakland Athletics play in a private suite. It's going to have pricing effects downstream from that if somebody does it. And so if somebody does do it, ah, let's go easy on them, okay? We can be a little harsh. Just saying. I'm just saying. Civil Liberties Group calls FinCEN crypto wallet rule unconstitutional. Thank God. This, see, this is the pushback that I was talking about. It just so happens to be by a group of people that, who knows, they might be able to be commandeered or you know, start spinning a narrative that we don't want to see. When I say fight, I mean fight on the individual level by never giving up your private keys. And if, if, if you don't need, like if you're not selling and making a profit and you're like living in the United States, you're not trading this stuff, you're just holding it. Honestly, there's no reason to tell anybody but the fence post how much Bitcoin you have and what private keys secures it. I'm saying, you know, I could probably get in a lot of trouble for even speaking those words. And at this point, I, I don't give a shit. The United States government has no more to do with America at this point than, I don't know, India does. The, I, I disregard the federal government as any institution capable or worthy of calling themselves an American institution at this point. Fuck them. Unless you sold and you have to pay taxes on it since they've started watching because they started watching last year, then yeah, go ahead and check the box on the 1040 that says you got cryptocurrency. But if you're just holding and you haven't sold and you haven't done nothing, fuck them. Let them, let them just burn for all I give a shit. Now, back to this one from Sebastian Sinclair, <clears throat> Coindesk. A U.S. nonprofit civil rights group has accused the Treasury Department of infringing on the rights of cryptocurrency holders using private wallets to store their digital assets. In a press release on Monday, the New Civil Liberties Alliance, or the NCLA, said that the department is engaging in an unconstitutional power grab that could lead to a massive collection of individuals' personal information. In December of 2020, a bureau operating inside the Treasury known as the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, proposed a rule requiring crypto exchanges to collect counterparty information from transactions sent to unhosted wallets dubbed requirements for certain transactions involving convertible virtual currency or digital assets. Under the rule, the cryptocurrency exchanges would need to maintain personal data on transactions above $3,000. In the, in, in the event a transaction is over $10,000, the exchange would need to gather, store, and report it to FinCEN. The nonprofit filed comments on Monday objecting to the rule, claiming it represents a radical extension of FinCEN's financial surveillance for surveillance uh, good God. Financial surveillance of innocent Americans. March 29th marks the last day the regulator is taking public comments on its proposed rule. Okay, March 29th, that was yesterday, so there, it's, uh, you can't do it anymore. NCLA said the move could widen the scope of the Bank Secrecy Act as digital assets would fall into the monetary instruments category of unregulated currencies according to the release. Further, the nonprofit is arguing that the proposed rule goes beyond appropriate constitutional limits by bolstering FinCEN uh, to ex to exercise Congress's exec exclusive legislative powers. Ah, God, it's still early. 
Quote, FinCEN's proposed rule unlawfully attempts to transform the agency's limited authority to regulate banks into permission to engage in the mass financial surveillance of innocent individuals who merely use digital assets, said NCLA's litigation counsel Caleb Kruckenberg. Quote, FinCEN ought to recognize that its proposal would be grossly unconstitutional and promptly scrap this rule, Kruckenberg said. Failing to do so would prompt the group to file suit to protect American civil liberties, according to the group's comments. So there's, you know, there, there's some people that are going to bat for us right now. You know, how do, how do we help? You know, how do we, not, not to this group, how do, how do we help this group? And I'm not talking about just sending a buddy. I, I don't think that that's actually really of all that much value. But what can we do to cause noise in the system? How can we obfuscate everything? How can we leverage anything that we can find to inject noise and destroy heuristics? That's the question. Now let people fight, let these people fight this particular, you know, thing and we'll fight, we'll fight in a different way. I, I think that that's going to be important is how to find ways to inject so much noise into the system that every time FinCEN or FATF or any of these ass wipes want to make a rule that it's almost completely blown out of the water the minute it's deployed, made irrelevant by Bitcoin core developers, the users, the node operators, the second layer stuff, everything, everything. So uh, there's a, the last one here is really long, so I don't think I'm going to read it. Well, I don't know. It's actually, it's, I, guess I, I guess I was thinking it was longer than it is. But it's about gold and a Trojan horse. And I guess this would, be, this would be applicable to read after I was just saying, how do we inject noise into the system? Well, one way is socially, right? This article is titled, The Trojan Horse. Bitcoin is just digital gold. It's only digital gold, guys. You don't have anything to worry about. It's only digital gold. It's only digital. Bitcoin Magazine's Dylan LeClaire is writing this one. Early on Monday morning, March the 22nd, during the Bank of International Settlements Innovation Summit, Federal Chair Reserve or Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell had this to say about Bitcoin or in his words crypto assets. Crypto assets are highly volatile, see Bitcoin, and therefore not really useful as a store of value. They're not backed by anything. They're more of an asset for speculation. It is essentially a substitute for gold rather than the dollar, said Jerome Powell. Now, this statement made by Powell cannot be understated. Gold served as humanity's pristine monetary asset for millennia. And as the world continues to transition from the industrial age into the information age, broad change brought about by technological innovation is taking place at an exponential rate. <clears throat> While gold's direct link to U.S. government currency was broken in 1971, the underlying properties that enabled the monetary metal to outcompete all other forms of money prior to the 20th century remained in a global economy built on credit. There is high demand for a bearer monetary asset with no counterparty risk, with the current gold market cap estimated to be $11 trillion at the time of this writing. However, a growing number of investors believe that Bitcoin is overtaking the role traditionally held by gold. The comparison to gold is no joke. While the Fed chairman attempted to downplay Bitcoin's role as a medium of exchange due to the asset's volatility, make no mistake about it. The horse has successfully entered the city of Troy, and Wall Street investors and institutions alike are cheering. If you are paying close attention to what's being developed in and around the ecosystem, quote, digital gold, end quote, significantly understates the superior attributes and properties that Bitcoin possesses in comparison to its analog monetary predecessor. In the words of Michael Saylor, gold is a dumb rock. For the first time, we have a digital bearer asset that is capable of settling with finality at the speed of light. Bitcoin is programmable money, and the possibilities of a sound global monetary system that operates completely peer-to-peer -peer are limitless. This is possible with neither gold nor the dollar. With gold, the shortcomings are obvious. It's expensive and extremely slow to transport, assay, and verify. While there are financial instruments that provide gold exposure, a trusted third party is required, negating many of the benefits of a monetary asset with supposedly, quote, no counterparty risk, end quote. After all, trusted third parties are security holes. See Parker Lewis. 
I think. Uh, however, Bitcoin is not just competing with gold. All forms of money, whether a monetary metal or liability of a central bank, are in constant competition with each other. The preferences of what individuals demand to acquire hold and spend are expressed in the exchange rate between various media. No form of money is insulated from competition. With the dollar, there are obvious shortcomings, which Bitcoin vastly improves upon. The very nature of a credit-based monetary system means that counterparty risk always exists as value is transferred between entities. Satoshi Nakamoto outlined in the Bitcoin white paper, quote, Commerce on the internet has come to rely almost exclusively on financial institutions serving, serving as trusted third parties to process electronic payments. While the system works well enough for most transactions, it still suffers from the inherent weakness of the trust-based model. Completely non-reversible transactions are not really possible since financial institutions cannot avoid mediating disputes, Satoshi Nakamoto. Prior to the development of Bitcoin, Development of the internet faced a major hurdle involving payments and settlements across it. With the launch of Bitcoin in 2009, along with the development of the Lightning Network, value can now be transferred across the internet in a decentralized and trustless fashion. The applications there, or sorry, the applications that are and will be built on top of an open source monetary network are truly limitless. So, and then they give a clip of Jack Maller, CEO of Lightning-based payments company Strike, doing his thing that Jack Mallers always does when he does his demonstrations is completely jaw-dropping, but we won't, I can't give that to you here because of the format. The problem with the dollar system are much more than foundational than just the one highlighted above, because when it comes to trust, the settlement of value is just the start. As Satoshi noted in an online forum more than a decade ago, quote, the root problem with conventional currency is all the trust that's required to make it work. The central bank must be trusted not to debase the currency, but the history of fiat currencies is full of breaches of that trust, end quote. To many, the most important problem that Bitcoin solved is pegging money. The monetary debasement that has occurred for decades created the need for an, incorru or, yeah, an incorruptible monetary system outside of the power of any human to control or manipulate. The notion that a small group of humans are needed to manage the monetary supply on behalf of the rest of civilization is archaic at best and insidious at worst. Pictured below is a chart of the year-over-year -year change of the M2 money stock, which is calculated by the Federal Reserve System by subbing savings deposits before May of 2020, small denomination time deposits, and retail money market funds, each seasonally adjusted separately and adding this result to the seasonally adjusted M1. And what do you see? It's a massive spike of, of money printing is what it says. With the advent of Bitcoin came the first absolutely scarce monetary asset, a monetary asset with a perfectly inelastic supply issuance is a discovery akin to the discovery of electricity. Demand for Bitcoin and Bitcoin production has continued to increase in an exponential fashion for the last 12 years. However, no additional units of supply can be created. The same cannot be said about gold and certainly cannot be said about the dollar. With proof-of-work mining, Bitcoin is the first monetary network that perfectly respects the laws of thermodynamics, a truly monumental breakthrough for humanity. With an absolutely scarce monetary asset built into an incorruptible monetary protocol, humanity for the first time has a ruler for economic calculation that is pure signal and no noise. There has never been an asset or commodity with the supply side of the supply-demand equation completely fixed. Yes, Bitcoin fixes this. The implications are immense, and any comparison to gold are either misguided or purposely deceitful. To conclude... After hearing the chair of the Federal Reserve address Bitcoin earlier this week, there are two distinct possibilities. Number one, the incumbents of the global monetary system are threatened. Bitcoin clearly disrupts their monopoly on money and credit and renders them useless. To try and combat this, a smear campaign on Bitcoin is attempted where volatility, speculation, and money laundering are thrown around in a never-ending cycle of FUD. Number two, the second possibility is that they are truly asleep. The horse has entered Troy, and they have no idea what's inside the belly of the beast. The good news for humanity is, is that regardless of what Powell or any other unelected bureaucrat says or thinks, Bitcoin is much more than digital gold. 
The powers that be are in for a rude awakening if they believe that's how this ends. Troy will be ransacked. The dollar will fall. And out of the ashes, truth, liberty, and sovereignty will prevail. Damn, boy, that gets me bullish as fuck. Shit. Okay, so remember when I was talking about social noise? Just keep, keep spinning the narrative, guys. Just tell them it's just gold. It's just gold. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to see here, pal. You know, take, take, maybe we should take that. And when we're talking to somebody who doesn't want to listen to, you know, about, about Bitcoin, just say, well, you know, you're right. It's just gold after all. It's not going to cause any kind of pain or systemic failure in an archaic system that has been around since before the dinosaurs. I'm just going to end it right there on this note, okay? So I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.